once you hit that place where you realize, oh, my goal is actually to be myself, you don't have to do anything else. Just give yourself a little time and that awareness will, it's just like a flower, just start to unfold more and more and more. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm here with Jeffrey Allen. And for those of you who have been a fan of the show, have noticed him come on the show before. It was one of our favorite conversations, talking about sales, talking about energy. For those of you who aren't familiar, an energy worker currently just released Spirit Mind with his partner, a course that really lets you integrate energy practices in your personal life, business life, pretty much every piece of your life has an involvement with energy. And he is a sought after speaker, teacher, uh, has impacted millions of lives worldwide with his work originally from America, currently based in Japan. So we're at least on the same time zone. We're pretty close, which is a rare occurrence for most of the guests that I do bring on the show. But Jeffrey, so excited to have you back. I was just already saying that some of the things I think we want to talk about today are going to be talking a bit maybe broader than sales, but a lot more of the business, maybe some of the energetic trends that are happening. And the fact that I know you've published uh, your own course, uh, Spirit Mind, I want to talk about that journey for a lot of people that are energy workers that are looking to get more into that space. I think there's so much to learn from your journey. So thank you for coming back. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So great to be here. It's always just really fun to connect with you. And then, of course, I love connecting with the audience, too, and helping out any way I can. I want to start in a strange place because we were just talking about technology before we were recording. And, you know, I'm a big buff about having the right microphone, having the right camera. And I know you have an amazing setup as well. And so you have an engineering background, you're working in spiritual field. What's your relationship with technology now? It seems to still be a passion. Usually when I see people in the energy space, technology is like, we don't touch that, but you're very much into it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm really an early adopter. So even back when, you know, years ago, when I was getting into computers in college, uh, there really wasn't that much to teach. It just was a fairly immature science at that point. Getting a four-year degree, they didn't even know what to fill up the schedule with. <laughs> very different now. Um, so, yeah, these days, uh, I'm still very interested. I love the new stuff that's coming out. Like, I love that AI is coming to a phase where we can use it to help us in our business and help our personal lives. That's really cool. I'm really excited about the sort of the AR, VR space and want to start moving you know, the program that I have with my wife, Hisami, start moving the SpearMind program into that space as well. Because I think it's still still kind of the early adopter phase, but in five years and 10 years, things are going to be very different than they are right now. So it's always good to start early for me. Nice. Well, I think it's a good thing to do. I mean, even if we talk about spiritual practices, I was having conversations with my friends yesterday talking about how meditation just 15 years ago was considered a really weird thing. And then a ton of research, publication and support has come towards that. I'm feeling like energy work, spirituality, actually it was throughout a kundalini activation was this exercise we we're doing yesterday. Again, not a lot of research that's backing a lot of that work. And I'm curious about the energy work that you're doing right now. Are you seeing a lot of like science kind of background starting to do research about it, publishing about it? Are we seeing kind of that modern ecosystem starting to embrace it? I haven't seen uh, science behind it yet, but I haven't been looking deeply either for it. So, but what I have noticed is, like you mentioned, you know, as we move through new phases, we adopt new technologies, 
And for me, intuition and energy work is just a technology, right? It's more of a personal one that we're using through our body and our own psyche, but still it's, it's a technology. It's something that we're developing and moving into. And at the beginning, there's always some early adopters like myself that kind of get interested in this stuff, but they're generally kind of shunned by the masses as, you know, that's kind of weird. Or, you know, even when I was a kid, if you saw somebody running down the street, you were wondering, like, is there a fire or, you know, what are they running for? It just wasn't a thing. People didn't run for exercise. And the people that did were considered kind of strange and out there. I mean, obviously, that is long gone. You know, now exercise is a normal part of life. People feel funny if they're not exercising and staying in shape. And I've watched in the last 10 years, especially, the kind of spiritual boom that we're going through right now take root. So when I started, I had a job. I was working for the Department of Energy, actually, at the time. And I didn't tell anybody that I was doing intuition work because I was worried about losing my security clearance. Like they might just decide that guy's nuts. You know, we're just going to cut him loose or we can't trust him. And even later when I was working for Sun Microsystems years later, the same things. People kind of knew, but everybody thought it was strange and weird. Energy work was too far out. Meditation was kind of like, you know, for those funny people. And that has completely changed. So in the last 10 years, especially, I've noticed that it's becoming trendy rather than becoming, you know, where you're an outcast. Like people in business meetings can talk about meditating during the day, or I did this mindfulness practice, or I feel this thing energetically. Like these are all okay phrases that are commonplace now. And it's wonderful. I love to see that. And what we're seeing is just that the early adopters that kind of opened up that space and were brave enough to dive in, even though they you know, could be a little you know, judged and outcast for it, have helped pull things forward so that everybody else can feel comfortable coming into the space now. And that's one of the things that I think I've really enjoyed in my career is bringing people that are not into energy work or not into meditation, or maybe they're even skeptical and kind of like, I really don't like that. And speaking to them in a way that they feel like, oh, now this feels normal. This feels safe. Maybe I want to try some of that, that meditation or that energy work. That doesn't seem like such a scary or weird or threatening thing anymore. So that's one thing I really, really love about the work that I've been doing. Yeah. As you were saying the story, and I'm realizing, Jeffrey, we've known each other for a decade now. And, you know, just thinking about how that space has evolved over the last decade is actually quite fascinating. And you're right. It's definitely like if I would have told people when I was working at Mindvalley, it's like, yeah, we promote energy products. People will be raising their eyebrows. And now it's like everybody's looking and seeking and f trying to find answers. And it feels like we're almost overwhelmed, right? Like we're all talking about technology and there's that technology aspect that's quite overwhelming us. And it's almost like we're trying to find refuge or at least a tool that can help us personally. And it sounds like the energy work is one of the most powerful things we could be looking at too. I don't know if the right word is to counteract the exponential technology that's almost impossible to personally grasp. And I'm just wondering if this is something you're noticing with a lot of your students that we need some certain practices to deal with this wave of change. And are there some of those practices that are very easy for us to consider? Sure. Yeah. The thing that I've noticed, and actually this comes from my wife, Yusami, this kind of nuance is looking at it from a perspective of, you know, this meditation or energy work, if you were to kind of break it down in the simplest way possible, is really an inward focus. And looking on the internet for technology or following the latest trends or the latest teachers or authors or all that stuff that we normally do is all outward focused. 
right? And so when we're getting information from the outside, it feels overwhelming rather than comforting. Although it seems kind of funny because people are mostly seeking information from the outside. That expert is going to tell me what to do. This other expert is going to give me advice. These spiritual leaders are going to tell me what's right and wrong or how to live. But that system, that kind of external dependence or age of dependence is starting to break down. And people are finding more and more that they want to turn inward. And that when they do, that remarkably, all of their answers are already within. There's no need to be so externally focused. So I think that's the big shift that we're going through, this like external need and attachment you know, to more of a looking inward, which is just more grounding. Yeah, I feel like the early 2000s was kind of like the age of the guru. Like we're trying to find that individual to give us those answers, like you said. But I see that trend, even like from a marketing perspective, I feel like people are getting a bit more turned off by the person who comes up and says, I have the answers. Now it's like, we're almost skeptical. We're not trusting each other as much. And it's like, do you though? Why should I trust you? And so I feel like that era has kind of moved on and we're trying to get the answers like you said. But again, there's a part of me that's a bit skeptical because I'm hearing about all these types of technologies that are there that have algorithms that feed me certain data that cause division. So even as I'm trying to trust myself, there's an element of me that has struggles with trusting myself because I'm wondering, have I been programmed to think this way? Is this truly coming from me or is it because of what I'm exposed to in the media and from the voices around that are quite repeated? So I'd be curious to know how do you distinguish from insights versus programming, you could say. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd say is that if you're asking yourself that question, that you're already in the clear, right? So if you're being uh, completely programmed, you'll never ask that question. You'll just follow blindly, like you're just following, following, following. And it seems exciting and thrilling to do so. There's no question like, am I going the right way? There might be a question of like, can I find a better person to follow? And then I'm going to upgrade and then follow them. And then I'm going to upgrade and follow the next person. But eventually, it takes a number of years, but eventually you start to notice that I'm sort of just going in a big circle. I'm not really changing the game I'm playing. I'm sort of just playing the same game over and over. And, and it comes with the same feeling of I'm missing something. I need to get something else. That's why you can see people that... People say, I want to make 100000 a year. And then it's like, I want to have a million-dollar company. And then it's, I need a $10 million, $100 million, you know. It's like the number keeps going up because the sensation internally never shifts from this space of scarcity or lack into a space of abundance. Even though on a material level, abundance is flowing like crazy. Uh, what we experience inside is what gives us that sense of fullness. And that sense of fullness doesn't come from doesn't necessarily come from money or material things. Anybody can get that sense of fullness because it's um, it's actually inside at all times. Mm. But I'm glad at least I'm asking the right questions <laughs> because, yeah, I sometimes feel that sense of doubt and like that fall of trust in everything that's happening around us. Even in the, like there was this data point I was listening to 
where it's like we don't trust the companies, we don't trust governments, we don't trust nonprofits. And what I shared, which is like this lack of self-trust, I find that makes me hesitate for a lot of decisions I want to make. And so are, are there practices I could do that kind of like nurtures that? Because in business, there's so much you need to self-trust because you once you get to that point that you're like, oh, I can't look externally for advice. I need to make decisions myself because I'll chart my own path. Is there a way to strengthen that muscle? Yeah, you bet. You bet. It kind of reminds me, I've gone through that myself and do over, kind of over and over as the cycle continues. There's times when I'm feeling very, uh, very confident about what I'm doing and kind of on top of the world. And then it's kind of weird. A year or two years later, I get to the space you're describing where it's like, something's not there. Like, I don't feel as, you could put different words, I don't feel as confident or I don't feel as sure or I'm questioning myself or, you know, this kind of sense internally that, Something's a little off, but I can't quite put my finger on it, right? I don't exactly know what it is. And it's really unsettling. But what I can say is, one, everybody's going through that right now. It actually has to do with the way the energy is shifting on the planet. Like I so said, we're shifting out of this age of dependence, others and external things, into a, what would I even call it? Well, in our program, we just call it spirit mind. And we're getting out of the material mind focus, which is dominated by material world things. And nothing wrong with that, but you need to have both if you're going to feel fulfilled inside. So what you're asking, so what would you do? What would the practice be? The first thing to do, which you might be doing already, is to start asking yourself, what do I really want? What is my true desire? What do I want to do? And the easy answers that pop up, like, I want to make a million dollars. I want to have this many followers. I want to build my business. Those answers, there's nothing wrong with those. It's not that they're not true, but ask yourself, why do I want those things? And the first thing you'll probably get is the list of, you know, the material world reasons like, oh, I want that because then my life will be easier. I can take more time off. I can impact more people. I can, you know, you have all this list of justifications that sound great and they're true. There's nothing wrong with these. But then you want to keep asking, okay, why am I really wanting that thing? Or you can ask the opposite. What am I afraid I won't get if I don't accomplish that thing, right? And now you're starting to get into the level of like down closer to your emotions. Like, what am I attached to? What is the fear? What's really driving me? Everybody's journey through this is going to be different as you ask yourself these questions. But what you start to notice is that a lot of times the motivation is just something that you picked up along the way. My dad was interested in that and... So I thought that was cool because I thought my dad was cool. And so I got interested in that too. So I kind of added his goals. Now, my mom was really great at this thing. So I admired her and wanted to be like that. The people that I've met in the world that are so amazing, I want to be more like them. And this is one of my favorite ones, this feeling of wanting to be more like somebody you admire. Because if you really focus on what is it you admire about that person, it's almost always the fact that they're being themselves. <laughs> right? So like, what I love about that person is they're authentic and they're being themselves. So if I want to be <laughs> like them, <laughs> I can't copy and be like them. That won't work. I have to be authentic and be myself, right? <laughs> it seems really obvious once I say it, but I fall into that trap too. I've become the like, you know, I had a dream about you know, this part of the American dream. And then I accomplished it and was like, 
something's missing. And then so I shifted the dream, like, no, I, I really admire that spiritual teacher. I'm going to be like them. And then I got to that position. I'm like, still not quite there. It keeps going until you finally say, I'm just going to be myself. That's one of the big keys that kind of clicks in. But of course, the next question is people hit is, well, who am I? What is, what does that mean to be myself? And if you get to there, just talking to people that are listening, I want you to stop and rewind, right? So go back to the place where you heard, I just have to be myself. And you went, ah, and it felt really good. Just stop there. That's enough. Having your mind start to ask, what does that mean? And who am I? That you just, you're going backwards now. Like you sort of kind of went up, you got the crescendo of, I just have to be myself. And now you're going to, okay, I'm going to go think about it and go into this rat hole of not knowing who I am. You can't not know who you are, <laughs> right? You cannot know that you're faking it. You know, you can fail to notice your behavior. But once you hit that place where you realize, oh, my goal is actually to be myself, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to dig deeper. Just give yourself a little time and that awareness will, it's just like a flower, just start to unfold more and more and more. We have a hard time with the step. That's what I've seen with students the most, especially this year. It's very hard to stop your mind from driving toward whatever you think you need to drive toward. But that's the game we're switching out of. We're switching out of the game of using our analytical mind to decide things that don't make sense. Like, I have to think about who I am. That doesn't make sense. That's like if somebody asks if you're hungry and you look at your watch, right, to see what time it is, to see if it's dinner time. That doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> right? So you're like, when somebody asks if you're hungry, you just say, a little bit, yeah, or not yet, right? These are things that you know. Right? <laughs> you don't need to look it up on your phone. Like, your phone doesn't know these things. <laughs> it's a phone, right? <laughs> I'm having a bunch of like huh, mind triggers as as you're going through this. And and one of them is just like, even in the times it's like, oh, I just need to be myself. And it's like, all right, well, what does be myself look like as a prescription? And I feel like there's something I need to do or change to be myself, which just sounds so ridiculous with what you've just shared to make us realize that, oh, maybe this is the whole problem. Jeez. Well, this is one of the hard things with Ed program that Hisami, my wife, came up with, you know, Spirit Mind. She's been teaching it for 10 years in Japan. We just brought it into the English market. And that's the hardest thing when we were doing the invitation page to kind of bring people in. I felt like we needed to tell people, when you really start going within, you might find it a little boring. We are used to our analytical mind just bouncing back and forth, highs and lows and chasing our dreams making things happen. And if you start to settle into an inward-focused awareness where, like, you know, my life's purpose is to be myself, okay, that was a little too simple. Things like, I'm here to be of service to others and help others. Like, okay, these are all really simple things. There's no analytical part required. But I found it this way, and also some of my best friends that went through the program said the same thing. They said, I get it, I understand the training, but I feel a little bored now. I feel a little bit restless. And it's like, 
yeah, that'll take a little time for that to calm down for this to notice that I feel full because I'm turning inward. And like, that's the more you let that space grow, the more you realize it's not just enough. It's like overflowing with abundance. Mm. But the mind that's been in control doesn't want to let go. It doesn't want to stop being the driver. Maybe that's wrong. It's okay to have your mind be the driver, but you need your internal wisdom, your spirit to be the navigation system. Mm. If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. I was gonna say, it seems like for that sense of feeling bored and everything, it's almost like our navigation system was actually based, I would call it maybe the dopamine kind of addiction that we have in our society. And I referenced that. My friend was reading Dopamine Nation and I don't have the author's name. So if somebody in the comments wants to leave it down, book is called Dopamine Nation. You're hearing a lot about how we're over stimulus. Uh, there's everything's like five seconds, quick, quick. So like our ability to deal with quote unquote, just being boredom, feels that it's been significantly diminished. And are you seeing that as being kind of the biggest symptoms that's preventing us from just being ourselves? Well, I think just like any technology, all the connected technologies we have right now are bringing us into a beautiful space. We're just kind of in that middle place where things are a little bit muddy. We're not clear on whether we want to use our devices to help us or to distract us. You know, it's just, we're still sorting it out. But, you know, given another five years, 10 years, things will probably be more clear. I don't think we'll stay in this stage where everybody's wants to be a superstar. Everybody's a coach. Now everybody's a spiritual teacher. It's kind of fun. Like my wife and I, sometimes she'll be showing me uh, stuff on her Instagram, not on her page, but just she's watching her friends and people she knows. And she's like, oh, this is great. Like everybody is talking about energy and spirituality and meditation. Everybody wants to be a spiritual teacher now, but that goes back to what I was just saying. Like, you want to just be yourself. If that's your thing, that's your calling, great, do that. But it's not necessary. It's not the next step for everybody. It's kind of like, you might relate to this, Jason. I've been watching just kind of enjoying the last 10 years as coaching became a big thing. You know, 10 years ago, like, coaching was kind of like maybe something that people at high levels did, they got a coach. And then there became a bunch of programs on how to coach. So you could take a program, become a coach. And pretty soon 
everybody's a coach. And, <laughs> and there's just this flood of coaches. And it's great, but if you look at it from the outside, if you look energetically, what I noticed is, and then also just talking about it with Isami too, what we noticed together is that for the community that believes this is an important thing, you know, the coaching community really, all those people have coaches and it is really important. But if you look at the world in general, that's a very small subset of people. It's so funny you say that because, you know, I'm based in Bali and there's a skewedness here about seeing everybody seems to be a coach. And I'm just like, who's getting coaches? Everybody just seems to be a coach themselves. And so it seems a little self-serving and it seems like a little bit of an echo chamber as well. But nonetheless, there's so much people that are looking for answers that are looking for healing and the spiritual side is lacking. And so are we seeing, because to be honest, I'm not getting a clear vision of the reality out there because I'm in this bubble in Bali where there's a lot of spirituality. There's a lot of people that are into it. Are you seeing that there's just too much of this needing to try to coach others? Like, is there even a demand or is there even a world that needs this many people doing so much coaching? Well, I think it depends. If you stay in that bubble, there'll always be a need. It's like any bubble, right? So I think the market for people that are coaching, your market is people that want to become coaches. Those are the people that also want coaching. People in general uh, probably have no interest. But, you know, that's okay, right? But I think a lot of those coaches are going to become spiritual teachers in the next, you know, five to ten years. And nothing wrong with any of these stages. I'm not, like, making fun of anybody. I'm just noticing the energy. And the big trend, like I said, if you go back to the big trend of looking outside for your answers— looking for other people to tell you what you need, what you should do, who you are, what you should value and why you're valuable. Even simple things like what hairstyle you should have and you know, just everything. If you're looking outside for all these things, you'll forever be chasing that. But it's very easy to also turn within. And, and even if it's in one little small place, we just say, hey, I like this shirt. It's okay if it's not trendy. Yeah. Like for me, people ask what books I read. That's a common question. Oh, what books do you read? What's important to you? I'm like, <laughs> I really just read sci-fi and fantasy. I'm sorry, everybody, but I don't <laughs> I don't read books to learn anything. If I want to learn something, I just tune into the energy. I read books for relaxation and entertainment. So, you know, sorry. <laughs> I can give you some good references there, but it's kind of this shift. If you're looking outside, take a moment and find somewhere where you can tune in become your authentic self, even for just that moment. And you'll know it's happening because you'll be smiling, right? Whatever it is you're thinking about, you'll be smiling. You won't be thinking, am I doing it right? What, what are the five steps to know my authentic self? What level am I at? <laughs> what did that person say about me before that would be authentic? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you'll just be smiling. You're there, boom, done. No coaching needed. Okay, so you're reading some of these sci-fi books, so I need to kind of geek out with you here, Jeffrey. Have you read the Three Body Problem series? I don't know if you're into that. No, no, I haven't. Oh my God. So I love that because in sci-fi, as much as we started off with technology, we're kind of going back into it. It not only predicts a lot of the future technologies that are going to come and like how the world could be shaped, but I find it even more fascinating on how 
they project our humanity to react to these technologies. And there's one book series that I'm very much into, and maybe I have to ask your favorite too, where they talk about how do we start behaving as humans once we discover extraterrestrial life? And how does it unite us? How do we divide us? How does our society start shaping? And I know there's a bit of a tangent, but I find that's a very funny, interesting way to psychologically see how would our behavior shape based on new discoveries and new technology. So I don't know if you have any opinions on that or if you have a fan favorite book to recommend as well. I do. I, unfortunately, there's a book in mind, but I can't remember the title or author, so maybe I'll send it to you afterwards. But I love that too, the things you're talking about. How are we reacting to changes in our world? whether it's a big change in technological advancement or we notice we're not the only people here and you know we're working with those uh, extraterrestrials and so on. The one that I was thinking of, I'll tell you a little bit about it, I can't remember the name, was talking about how would a multi-planetary group organize things and discipline and have, you know, is it possible to create peace and prosperity and commerce and people still have their culture and don't, it's not just a uniformity everywhere. And so how do you mix all these things together? And it's, for me, it's probably only in the fiction space that you can do a big experiment. You can't run experiments like this in the real world, right? Nobody has the reach to do that. You know, that's something that takes generations. But the book that I'm thinking about, it was fantastic. Like every little what if or but that I could think of, this author had a clever really well-developed workaround for it. And what it helped me with was not just a good book that I enjoyed, but it helped me to see those solutions in everyday life. When I looked around, I had at least one example of how things could be different. And because I had a counterexample to the current trends that also included the current trends, it also had us behaving just as you know greedy and you know, selfish as we do now, but also evolving at the same time, so having that counterexample is like, oh, this is amazing. Instead of thinking everybody's like this or this, suddenly there's like a whole world of unknown and unrealized possibilities. Maybe it's the same book. No, I really love what we're saying. And I want to go back to one concept, which is the whole idea of, you know, having the answers of being ourselves is within ourselves. But there's one element that I kind of want to expand on is that there's this constant chase of trying to be our best self. Like... I'm not saying I would divulge to this, but like being myself, does that mean I hit the snooze button? Does that mean I play video games all day? Does that mean I don't do anything or lift a finger? There's almost like that assumption that that could happen. But how do you differentiate between doing what you want for yourself and being your best self? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I think the answer there is pretty simple. You know, the answer is that when you stop judging yourself, then the question goes away. You don't have to be a better you. And let me dive in a little bit deeper. So like, I love the example that you said, if I just myself, this is kind of a common fear. If I'm just myself, does that mean I'm just going to sleep in late, not do the dishes? I'm just going to watch Netflix all day, play games or something like that. And the answer is, yeah, some days that's going to happen because being yourself means being yourself in this moment, right? So that's the part that I think we miss. We think that we're sort of like this higher version of ourselves, that if we were diligent enough or aware enough, we could be that person all the time. That's not true. 
It's because life is always changing. Your energy is going to go up and it's going to go down. Your ability to focus on something you would consider productive is going to go up and it's going to go down. Especially now, as the energy is shifting on the planet, we're, we're kind of hammering at that analytical mind. The new energy that's coming in is just sort of pounding on it to force us to change and start looking inside. So the sense of I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough or even I used to be super productive. <laughs> what happened? Where's that guy? Where's that guy that could get so much done? Now I feel like you know I've come downhill. If you're feeling those things, just let go of the judgment. Just know that oh, that can be true. If you're feeling it, it probably is true. Totally okay, because you will go back up too. You know, life will continue to have its ups and downs. And if you're being yourself, you flow with those. You don't try to be up when the energy's down. It doesn't even make sense. If you're like going down a river, if, if there's a lot of water that day flowing through the river, that's a great time to get in and just go really fast in the boat. But if the river dried up, this doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just means, hey, that's a good day maybe to rest because tomorrow the river might be flowing. So when it's not flowing today, take a break. It's been really hard for me because, you know, I've always been an adrenaline junkie. It's funny because people always talk about how calm they think I am. Like, oh, really? That <laughs> I guess I have that too. But, you know, from the time I was young, I was jumping out of airplanes, jumping off of cliffs, rock climbing, you know, anything I could think of to get the adrenaline buzz. And my career often had that too. What's the next step? How do I get bigger? How do I grow? How do I make more money? And so as that started to slow down, it's hard. It's hard for me to take a day off. It was actually my wife that taught me this little trick. She just said, when it's time to rest, if you don't rest, then when it's time to move, you won't be able to move either. Right? So the best thing you can do if you're feeling down or not feeling like doing anything is to not do anything. And I tried it and I was shocked that it really works. Maybe a day, two days, maybe a week goes by and then all of a sudden, it can't even be the same day. I could be like right in the middle of thinking I'm gonna binge this Netflix series and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I just thought of something I wanna work on and I just push stop, I get online and I just start working on something and it just flows out of me like with joy. Like, I'm just, oh, this is so great. I'm so excited. It comes out. And then I finish. I'm like, okay, now I want to finish watching that movie. And things just kind of come naturally when the energy is ready. Instead of saying, at 10 a.m. tomorrow, I'm going to do the finances. And then at 11 o'clock, I'm going to do this thing and so on. Nothing wrong with scheduling. If scheduling works for you, that's great. But it's not really in the flow to plan like that. So that sense of chasing to become your better self comes from that idea that I'm, I'm not good enough when I'm not doing X. Mm. It's not acceptable if the real me likes to watch TV or sleep in late or whatever the thing is that you're judging. But those things are all okay. It's totally okay to be you. Yeah. There was this running thing between all X Mind Valley employees. Being at Mind Valley is this ecosystem that is so high intensity, high growth, and like everything you're doing is impacting millions of people. And then like when you leave that, there's a sense of like, oh my God, am I doing enough? Am I impacting enough? And it's it's almost like we'd have this running joke that we'd have a bit of a hangover from this, you know, we're in this high speed car on a high speed 
kind of highway. And if you're going on your own path and you're kind of being yourself as well, there was always a sense of not enoughness compared to the speed that you were on. And I think for anybody who's been in like, you know, high pace, high intensity career paths, that kind of step off of that and then start realizing like, oh my God, I need to kind of listen to myself. There was almost like a you couldn't even hear your own self of what yourself is within that kind of ecosystem. And it's generated some great value and it's made some impact. But I think that when you speak about how there needs to be kind of this dial down, this desensitization about that, all that external judgment that would come and start doing the things that are more aligned. Now, it's very interesting because for me, my 2023 was a huge pivot year. Like there was a whole lot of like, I need to be doing this to keep up with the trends. And I'm finishing the year at the time of this recording where it's like, hey, there's a lot of these things that I do, which you said a word that has become a really big power in my decision making, which is this joy. And it's like, wow, when I do these certain things that are so joyful for me, and I realize how impactful they are, that I find myself doing so much less, but everything I do with joy makes such a bigger difference. And now it's like, what? I feel like I can have it all. It's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Isn't that the quote? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of things that starts happening as I'm coming towards this part in my life. And it's quite nice to see. And what I'm wondering, as you spoke about the spirit of the times, is for anybody who might be at this point where they're like deciding, hey, is what I'm doing right now still in alignment? Maybe I need to make some differences. I might need to rest. The times are changing, and you're speaking about this change of times on a global scale. Are there anything that you would be able to share for anybody who's listening about how to maybe best navigate the coming times and maybe things to notice for that could maybe make us navigate these changes a little more effectively? Yeah, sure. The first thing I'd say is that's what the new program, the Spirit Mind program that I wrote with Isami is all about. Mm. So you can deep dive there. That's probably the place. But what I would say to people right now is, one, hang in there. You're not alone in this journey of big change that we're going through. And knowing that you're not alone right away will bring a little bit of relief. And uh, two, let it be okay. Let it be okay that you don't feel like you're moving toward your dreams in every moment. Like, am I taking, is every step I'm taking moving toward those dreams? Let it be okay if that's not happening because one, those dreams probably aren't yours anyway. <laughs> right? And so, <laughs> you know, just hell bent going toward them every day. It's definitely progress, but it's not necessarily progress to where you want to go, right? It's similar to why I said if you're if you're trying to be like somebody else, but you notice that what I love about them is that they're being themselves, then, okay, that's a whole different direction. I don't need to follow their 10-step program on how to be like them. I just need to find my own way. And then the third thing, this is kind of the most important one, this is kind of where we get to at the end of the program, is that every day is your workshop. So you don't need to sign up for a workshop. Everything you need is going to come to you. And you all know this. So think about your life. You've, out of the blue, the perfect things have come, whether it's a relationship, job, an opportunity, could just be a book or a movie or something that inspired you and you pivoted in a way that was more aligned with your joy, right? You don't have to seek these things out. You don't have to chase life. It will come to you. Love will find you. And that's what I like to tell people. You don't have to chase it. Once you get that and you can settle into that 
and really get a sense of it internally, things will calm down. You'll start to feel full, even if there's nothing outside indicating that you should be feeling that way. There's no number you can look at or number of likes or reach or money or something outside. You're like, I feel really good today. Okay, that's enough. It's not just enough, that's the goal, is to have that feeling all the time. Or to be floating on that feeling as much as it's available in this moment, right? It's still going to move around. You're never going to get up to this perfect place where you're always peaceful, always feeling full, no pain, no injuries, everything's in the bank. Like, you're never going to sustain this perfect state. Nobody does. But it's totally okay because things are moving, and they're moving inside a space that can always feel abundant and full of joy, even in the hard times. Actually, on that note, that's exactly what came to my mind when you said every day is a workshop. As I started thinking about the current things that came into my life as challenges, and I'm just like, oh yeah, if I'd sign up to a seminar that would help me develop that aspect of myself, if something like this comes into my life and I choose to go deal with it, that is the workshop itself. And so I think that gets us to have a lot more of acceptance of the upcoming challenges that the next year could bring as well. That's so true, Jason. Everything that you need is coming. And more interestingly, it's coming when you need it. So even if you chase afterlife, it doesn't mean that it's going to be there when you need it. But one of my favorite examples comes from my friend Ken. He said, you know, if you look at the way people manifest, restaurants are a great example. So if you go into a restaurant, you know, you look at the menu, you order something off the menu maybe put a little special thing in there, like, I like it this way, or I have these dietary preferences, then you order, then what do you do? You just kick back with your friends, you know, or by yourself, and you just kind of relax until the food comes out. And then when it comes out, you know, you check, and if something's not quite right, you just say, oh, can you make a little adjustment? You basically enjoy yourself, right? This makes sense. A lot of people eat this way. But if you look at the way they run the rest of their life, it would be like, you get into the restaurant, you sit down, you think about what you should be eating, and then you order that thing. And then two minutes later, it hasn't arrived, so you bring the waiter over, and the pizza you ordered hasn't arrived in two minutes, and you decided you wanted it in two minutes, and somebody told you in a book that you could get it in two minutes, so you thought you should get it. <laughs> and then, So now you're like, okay, I don't want that anymore. Now I want to order the sushi. And then that doesn't come in five minutes, and then you're like, okay, what's going on here? I'm just not manifesting very well. I guess I'll order a barbecue sandwich, you know, <laughs> or a salad or, you know, something else. And then you're frustrated, you're upset, you're following the, you know, waiter into the kitchen and yelling at the cook and telling them how to make it. And this is how most people are running most of their lives, right? And then all of a sudden things start coming in and like all this abundance shows up and it's like, when I didn't really even want the pizza, somebody just told me to order that. Sushi and pizza don't go well together. It just like all this stuff is coming in. It doesn't even make any sense. And you're exhausted because you were chasing the cook into the kitchen and yelling at the chef. And this is a funny way to live. You don't need to chase things. Just like, what do you need in the moment? Tune in a little bit, take a pause, ask for what you want, take a few steps in that direction. I like to think of it as you kind of, you know, throw the ball to yourself and then kind of enjoy yourself and then later be ready to like catch it coming in. You don't have to trace it all the way through every step through the air or run under it or worry so much. You know, things are going to work out pretty well. You don't have to be so stressed. (laughs) 
Jeffrey, this was such a fantastic interview. Thank you so much. I know that usually on the Sound of Love podcast, we talk sales, entrepreneurship, but I feel like we need to create a space to talk more about us as individuals operating these kinds of businesses. It's been different kinds of pressures. There's a lot of things happening in the world, but I love that you've been able to give us at least this understanding that we're shifting from the analytical to a future model. There's some turbulence in between, but there's things that we need to look into to be better at navigating this. A lot of self-trust, understand that being ourself is the ultimate goal. I love how it's like we should be looking internally, not externally to see the guidance that we're trying to be ourselves more. We can't be, oh, I love how they are. They're being themselves. So maybe I should be themselves, which is them, which is not myself, which is going against the point. I thought that's quite hilarious. And quite frankly, this need to be doing, 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 I think has made us do the wrong things. And we've taken the step back to understand that when we pay attention internally, we start doing the right things. And I think that's a big, important message that we should be integrating as we're out there going to sell with love. So a little final question I'd love to ask, Jeffrey. I, we've asked this before. Maybe it's evolved or maybe there's some things to add. But since you're on the Selling with Love podcast, what does selling with love mean to you? I think I like the with love part better than selling. <laughs> maybe I'm still allergic to that word a little bit. Yeah, so selling with love is to me just about being myself, my authentic self, in a way that it sort of includes everybody else too. So what I mean is that the movement that I have, the things I'm creating, things that I'm enjoying, inspiring other people to enjoy, those things are similar things for themselves too. And it's kind of funny that you made me think of something interesting that as we start becoming our self and focusing on being our authentic selves, it kind of calls into question those of us that are selling programs that teach people how to be like us. So some of you may have picked that up or maybe you know you didn't want to pick it up <laughs> and I'm going to point it out instead, is that if your program is, here's 10 steps to take to be exactly like me, you might want to rethink that. It's going to be more attractive if you make it 10 things I did that helped me become me that could help you become you rather than helping you become like me, right? It's just, it's a simple shift but to me, that feels like, oh, now I'm selling with love instead of just selling to make money. <laughs> That's what I'd cut at right there. Jeffrey, love it. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to have great conversations with you. For everybody else, I do want to make sure you go into the show notes. We are putting a link up for Spirit Mind. A lot of what we touched on is part of Jeffrey's program. And if this is something you've been struggling with, you want to go deeper on and you want to see how to navigate these changing times, this is what the program was designed for. Jeffrey and his partner, Yisami, did a fantastic job to make this available. And I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do to get you equipped with the new tools we need for the 2024 and beyond. Once again, Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the show and everybody else keep selling with love i am your host jason mark campbell and this is the selling with love podcast Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.